plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Robert Land, and welcome to a Tuesday Locked On Texans, brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. Joining me in a bit is Fox 26 sports producer Danny Mata. We'll get Danny's thoughts on Osweiler's performance against Jacksonville and the team in the division that's looking a little more dangerous with every game. Before we talk to Danny, I thought Coach O'Brien had some noteworthy comments at his Monday presser. We talked on our postgame show about how impressive Akeem Hunt was at running back Sunday. Well, OB was impressed too. And after that, O'Brien admits a coaching mistake at the end of the game, so listen for that. Let's start off by finding out what he thought of Akeem Hunt's breakout performance off the practice squad. One of the plays that, that he had got called back on a, I mean, I got to be careful here, but, you know, on a whatever that call was. So he had a good game for us, good spark. I know Grimes being injured made it easier for you guys to put Hunt up on the active roster. You have five running backs, and I imagine it's not very easy right now to make a decision on, like, who you want to have on the active roster and sending a guy back down to the practice squad. A lot, a lot of factors into that, Paul. Like, you have to look at uh, special teams. You know, when you look at Hunt, Yesterday on special teams, forget about offense. You know, we all kind of, that's pretty obvious how he played on offense because he had a ball in his hand and he made, made some good plays. But on special teams, he was disruptive too. He may not have shown up as much in the stats as far as having a tackle, but him or Don Jones were down there first, first or second, and making the returner, Ben, or whoever the returner was, you know, have to make a first move before they really wanted to. So that's part of it too. Like, how is that guy going to factor into special teams unless it's an offensive or defensive lineman? And, and the other thing we have to look at is uh, whether it's John Grimes or Lamar or Alfred Blue. or This is the time of year when those guys are banged up, and they need a rest. They need uh, somebody to be able to come in and play for them and help them, and that's, that was part of the decision too. I know this isn't that important of a question based off of the guys, the, the fact that you guys won yesterday, but you guys could have kneeled the ball twice at the end of the game yeah. and you ended up running the football. Would you have done that differently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, so when we converted the third down with Hopkins, which was a heck of a play by Brock and by Hopkins, they had one one timeout left on that play and we felt like they were going to call that timeout right away they didn't and so we felt like okay they still had the timeout so we were going to run it on that first down play and what we should have done is we were okay running it on the first down play when they banged their timeout after that first down play we should have kneeled it on second down so that's the mistake that that uh, I made and uh it won't happen again so Brian gives the old Kubiak that's on me right there next up he was asked whether he or George Godsey were handling play calling duties. You guys remember that he said he was taking over play calling duties a few weeks ago. 
But as he tells us in the press conference, that's not exactly what's going on. I'd say that uh, yesterday George called the uh, majority of the plays, but uh, you know we're, we're doing it together. If that makes sense, you know we're talking about uh, not play to play, but series to series. Uh, George is a very bright guy, and I think it's what's best for the team. What I've found out is you can't just stay the same. If you think you're doing something that's taking you down the wrong path, then you have to fix that, and that means that this year in 2016. Uh, George and I are working closely together to call the, the best plays we can during a game, and that's how we're doing it. One last thing from the press conference I thought was interesting. There's a perception that the Texans are 6-3 and three and not getting a whole lot of respect despite the record. That might be coming from the fan base a little, but O'Brien answered the question, and you're, you'll hear a little dig at the national media's opinions. If you talk to the teams that have played us, I think they respect us. Uh, I know it hasn't always looked pretty, but we're playing the games the way we feel we need to play them. I think the way that we won that game yesterday, I don't care what Jacksonville's record is. I don't care what anybody's record is. And you, when you win a game in the NFL, the way that we won that game, I think that's a testament to our players and our coaching staff. So if uh, some guy you know, in New York City or L.A. doesn't respect us, like too bad. You know, I know that the, our opponents respect us, and there's a lot of hard work and tough football players in this building. And that's the best of Coach O'Brien's Monday press conference. We're about to hear from Fox 26 producer Danny Mata, a buddy of mine. He always brings interesting opinions and angles, and I definitely think you're going to find him a very compelling interview. But before we hear from Danny, hey, there's only three games left for the Texans, and the Chargers game is next up. So if you're looking for tickets to that one, SeatGeek's the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game This season with SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price, and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget, plus every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, oh, this is easy. Download the SeatGeek app, go to settings, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOTEXANS, that's LOTEXANS for Locked On Texans. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOTEXANS today. Let's hear from Danny Mata now. Joining me now is Fox 26 Danny Mata, producer over there, and always great to talk to Danny, knowing him for a long time. And Danny, want to talk about the game a little bit on Sunday before we move ahead to the Raiders game this later this week, but Boy, the, a couple things that really stuck out to me as far as Brock Osweiler is concerned. I hear a lot of chatter out there about, oh, it was terrible because he had 99 total yards 
And I just, I'm not on that bandwagon. I'm not with that group of people that just felt like his was his game was a total disaster. You know, he didn't have uh, most of his receiving core. DeAndre Hopkins was being challenged by one of the most physical young cornerbacks in the league. Uh, he was dealing with a, a defense that has been good against the pass. What was your impression of, of Brock Osweiler in that game? Are, are you just, is this just another bad Brock Osweiler game, even though, it's 99 yards, or do you see it differently than that? I guess we've gotten to the point where at least he didn't turn the ball over. He's not going to lose him games. And against a team like Jacksonville, who, let's face it, right now, the way they're turning they're turning the ball over at such a ridiculous rate. We had a pick six the first play of the game. They're turning the ball over first drive of the game anyway. But we, we, we're seeing them turn the ball over at such a clip that if you're the Texans with the defense like that, what you really have to do is if you just don't give those possessions back, you're going to be all right. So in that regard, Brock Osweiler deserves credit for not not forcing the issue. But I almost wonder if 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 some of that is that the coaching staff and maybe even Brock himself is getting a little timid with some of these play calls because you see just the, the constant dump offs and the short routes. And I think you and I talked about it the other night. You know, I, I think during the Colts game is that it was it's something that we've seen that is shocking going back not just you know going back coaches and quarterbacks years these. You get a third down and nine, throw these short hitches for four and five yards. This has been a constant staple of the Texans, no matter who's been the coach here. And you and I talked about that. And I wonder if where Brock is at right now is if we've gotten to the point where where maybe he's playing a little bit timid or maybe the idea is, well, you know what, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, this defense will give us a chance. And if we can run the ball effectively, we'll be there. And that's fine, but is that what you pay $72 million for? Yeah, I guess my my point to that would be I think Bill O'Brien's doing game managing because that's what it's needed right now. The tight ends are playing better. The tight ends have really become one of the strengths of the offense. And so if you're Bill O'Brien, you look at it, the running game looks good, especially in fourth quarters. They've been fantastic closing out games. And if I'm if I'm Bill O'Brien looking at the situation and I'm basically running out there DeAndre Hopkins and a rookie Braxton Miller I just don't feel like I trust he's going to have the chance to throw the ball down the field, throw the ball long, pick up those big games. So why not go with the short game? Why not go with the running game? Why not do it that way? Well, I agree. Why not go with the short game? Why not pound the rock? But 99 yards is pushing it. And then not very efficient at 14 for 27. So not terribly efficient throwing the ball, too. And if you're not going to turn the ball over, that's fine. Play game management, that's fine. But, you know, that means that your your safe throws should be high percentage throws, and that means that you should be completing at least in, you know at least sixty percent of your passes. And we're not seeing that. We're seeing Brock Osweiler, who, quite frankly, when I watch him, he looks unsure of himself. He looks scared to make a mistake. And I thought perhaps we would see a turning point when when the Colts game happened because he was being booed mercilessly in that game. And for him to come back and play the way he did, I thought that that was going to be what put him over the top made me think, okay, this is the guy the Texans got. This is what he's capable of. Now we're going to start seeing it. And we just haven't. He's just kind of stabilized. And I, and I don't want to overreact because this is his first full season as a starter, and it is a new offense. But, I, you know, I think at some point you have to start looking at a pattern, and I wonder if this is just what Brock Osweiler is. And you mentioned the tight ends. And I think they've done a good job of getting them involved. And they have become a strength. And in, But to your point, you know, no one's going to confuse the Texans' tight ends with, you know, Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski over in New England, right? So they may be a strength for this team relative to, you know, who they are and what this team can do. But, they, but they're not a strength in terms of, like, what the league has to offer. So you could say offensively they're – a little limited right now when it's DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller has been injured and you've got rookies like Raxton Miller out there. 
But I think you've got enough in the running game, especially with guys like, you know, we saw Akeem Hunt out there doing some things. And Lamar Miller, we know he can catch the ball. I, I feel like that there's some things left, you know, that, that there's, there's still more on this offense than what we have seen. And I just haven't seen Brock Osweiler step up and look like a quarterback who is confident, you know, who who exudes that I'm going to get this done today. He looks a little unsure of himself. He looks frustrated. And I think that what the coaching staff is trying to do right now is they're trying to protect him. And, and that's fine when you're playing a team like Jacksonville. Uh, but is that sort of play going to get you where you wanted to go when you paid $72 million for a quarterback, which was over the hump into the Super Bowl? I'm not seeing it. I don't think we're anywhere close to that. I want to ask you about uh, the, the division because you feel like it's not a done deal. It's not like the Texans have got this thing wrapped up. You like the Titans right now. Right now with the way the Titans are playing, and let's be clear, the Titans aren't the first team to whoop up on the Packers. The Packers, we don't know what's going on with Green Bay, and there's all kinds of problems. And at the end of the day, the, the the one constant with Green Bay is they're having a lot of trouble stopping the run. But they're offensively, this has been going on all year. But let's make this very clear. The Titans were all over them from the get. That game was never in doubt. It was 21 nothing before the Packers knew what hit them. And the Titans jumped on them early and never let up. And with the way that that offense is playing right now, I don't believe that it's a foregone conclusion that Texans are going to win this division for this reason. I mean, it just tells you how big that win was over the Titans here at NRG a few weeks ago. Because if, if, if I'm looking at the Texans' schedule and I look at the deficiencies, which is clearly right now offense, I think we can all agree on that. I look at a team like the Raiders. I don't feel good about the Mexico City game against the Raiders. I don't feel very good about a game at Green Bay. Oh, well, Tennessee just beat them and the Colts just beat them. Yeah, those teams score. And again, Aaron Rodgers is going to put points on the board. So I'm not, I'm not convinced the Texans can win that game in Green Bay. And I don't know. I don't, they barely beat the Colts here. I don't feel great about them going into Indy and winning that game. And I don't feel great about them winning in Tennessee. So to me, I've got four games that I really feel like are going, the Texans are going to be hard-pressed to win. I probably right now, from based on what I've seen, I'm going to, I think that those are four losses. That's assuming that they hold – you know, they hold down the fort on all the other games, but they've got other tough games. You know, they, they, the San Diego Chargers come in here and make no mistake. The Chargers have blown a lot of games this year. They're better than that record indicates. And again, they can score. If you're having trouble offensively, it's going to be reflective. And because, yeah, I, mean, I understand what you're saying about Jacksonville. They have pretty decent pass defense, but the Jaguars are not a team that you should be putting 17 points up on the board offensively, you know, and, and that's what they did yesterday because Kareem Jackson accounted for the other seven. So uh, I'm not feeling real good about where this offense is at. And I don't think it's a foregone conclusion they can hold down the fort in all the other games. So you factor in how Tennessee is playing with the way that Marcus Mariota is playing and the way DeMarco Murray runs that football. And, and they're hot right now. And if you're Tennessee, you've got to look at the Texans and say, hey, we've got one game against them and then we need them to slip up somewhere else and then we can catch them. Is there a difference in your outlook for this team if they have J.J. Watt? Because we've seen some teams that have some pretty – weak quarterbacks win the Super Bowl if their defense is just dominant. We just saw it last year. Look, the Broncos under Peyton Manning and, oh, yeah, Brock Osweiler, they did win the Super Bowl. And if you look with J.J. Watt added to what Bernardrick McKinney has raised his game to, what Jadavian Clowney is now bringing, especially in the running game more John than anything. Simon, yeah. And uh, all some of these guys have really stepped up. It would help if Kevin Johnson wasn't out for the season, if, if Boye could be, get back in the lineup because – Really, I feel like those two guys are more talented and pretty soon are going to overtake guys like Kareem Jackson and Jonathan Joseph. But you look at that defense and just how talented they are right now, 
they could be one of those defenses that just shuts people out. Well, I mean, you don't lose arguably the best player in football or at least best non-quarterback in the league, you know, at the very least, uh, and, and, and get better. And I, and I think that when you take, when you factor in Jadavion Clowney and how he has emerged now, we're starting to see that guy that they took with the, with the first overall pick and the guy that I mentioned, John Simon, and some of the other guys that you mentioned. Yeah, I, I, I think that it would definitely make me feel better because a guy like J.J. Watt doesn't just sack the quarterback. He makes plays. He's a playmaker. He, ter- he helps force turnovers, right? He helps force turnovers and gives your offense extra possessions. And remember, you know, you, you, you force a couple more turnovers because you're getting a few more hits on the quarterback, and suddenly Brock Osweiler and that offense has got short fields, and you put up a couple of touchdowns on short fields, and it changes the way you approach the game. You can get more aggressive with your play calling down the stretch because you've had some extra possessions to work with. Maybe uh, you, you get more aggressive because in putting the ball in the end zone on short fields, it raises that confidence level. It changes the entire dynamic of everything, not just defensively to have a guy like J.J. Watt. You know, that said, I don't look at the Texans defense and think, oh, man, what are they going to do? Like, I think they're, they're all right at defense. I, I, I think they're going to be all right. You know, because for, for the most part, you know, that's not the issue. Their, their, their primary issue is being able to score points. And I think that, you know, the best thing the defense can do is create turnovers and give him some of those short fields. And it's not as easy for them to do that when you're missing a guy like J.J. Watt, who is so important to creating. Because even if he's not forcing turnovers, he's flipping field position by, with tackles for loss and sacks the quarterback. So it definitely has an impact on things. I don't know that we can say that it, everything would be completely different, but I certainly... You know, but what I know is that from what I've seen right now, I don't know that they have an, that they necessarily have enough to win that division. I mean, I I, I believe that they can. We, I mean, it's the AFC South, and they're in first place right now. And uh, nine and seven can win. If 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 you were to follow the narrative that nine and seven wins that division, they've already got six wins, right? So they got to win three more games. But I also look at that and I think, well, not so fast because you've got a team in Tennessee that's not the same Tennessee from the first month of the season. They're playing some ball right now and they're scoring points. And I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that this is over. Last thing, if Brock Osweiler was just mediocre, if he could just give you mediocre as a quarterback, the Texans have got to be a team that can compete with anybody because they looks like they have the rest of the pieces. I mean, they have a lot of talent elsewhere on this team. The defense is really good. The running back situation is looking better and better. The offensive line isn't looking as bad as it was earlier this season. The wide receivers, if you get Will Fuller back, it's not too bad. And now you've got some tight ends that are helping you out. Yeah, you, you mentioned the offensive line, and they're, they're playing – a little bit better because of, as you mentioned, the, the running game has emerged because you because we know that there's a split there, right? Some of that's the blocking schemes and some of that's the running backs themselves. Lamar Miller is running better. Akeem Hunt really has emerged, and it's a guy that I think a lot of Texans fans are excited and should be excited about, you know, watching how, how he's playing. So that has balanced out some things for the offensive line to help them to help them out because, it cre- you know, the defenses can't just pin back and, and go after them. As far as that theory can you compete with anyone? Sure. Can you beat everyone? I don't necessarily know about that. Think about this. Everyone's going to point to the Denver Broncos from a year ago, but keep in mind that might, that could have arguably been the greatest single season defense ever. And this is my, because every, every other defense that we've talked about for best defense ever, they all want thing in common. Like, like the Ravens, for example, just don't turn the ball over, right? Trent Dofer, don't lose us games. We'll take care of it. But Peyton Manning led the league in turnovers at the time he got, at the time he got hurt and got replaced by Brock, right? So he was doing everything in his power to lose in football games. They weren't losing. Like, you know, they're dealing with a negative turnover margin for a good chunk of that year just because, 
you know, because of how bad their offense was. If they had been anything less than the best, than maybe, or at least arguably the best defense in NFL history for a single season, they may not have won the Super Bowl. That was at least a top five single season defense. If they had been anything less than that, they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl. So you need the Texans effectively to play at that level if you want if you want Brock Osweiler to be able to take you somewhere with how he's currently playing. And the Texans aren't that. They are not as currently constructed. And you could make his J.J. Watts out. That might be some of it. But right now, that defense is not that. They are not that Denver Broncos defense that's putting up or at least setting you up for 14 points a game with, with, by forcing turnovers and constantly harassing the quarterback. You know, it's a good defense, a strong defense, one of the better ones in the league. But it, we're not. But we're, no one's going to look at the de- Texas defense and think that that's one of the best single season defenses. And that's the problem: is that based on what the offense is giving them, in order for them to win a championship, they would need that defense to elevate its play substantially to a point where it's able to overcome the obstacles of the offense. That's Danny Mata, one of the legend, one of the guys behind the legend, I should say, Mark Berman behind the scenes there. At Fox 26, you guys know where to find that. Thanks so much for doing this, Danny. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. And if you guys aren't listening to this show every day, what's wrong with you? Thanks, Danny, for that great plug. We love that no money was exchanged hands, just so you know. Let's wrap up Locked On Texans. Brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. And if you're new to the podcast, it's all Texans all the time, five days a week. It's all part of the Locked On Network of Podcasts, the fastest-growing sports audio network in the world. There's a podcast for all the NFL and NBA teams, including, for most of you, the Rockets. Subscribe to Locked On Rockets with Ben DuBose. You can listen to us every day by subscribing on iTunes, TuneIn, and now we're on Stitcher. If you have anything you want us to discuss, you can check out our Locked On Facebook page or on Twitter at Locked On Texas or on my own Twitter account for Houston Sports Talk, my podcast about all of Houston sports. Just go to at HST Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day.